probably a very, in the day that we live, a very needful subject um, because the truth is there's an awful lot of drifting that goes on among God's people in the day that we live. Oftentimes our uh, measure, if we're not careful, we will uh, measure our separation uh, from the world by our distance from the world. And uh, the problem with that is that the world, the Bible tells us, waxes worse and worse. It gets more and more depraved, more and more troublesome. Uh, the uh, I've, I've mentioned before there's a, a book that was written years ago called Rushing Toward Gomorrah. And in the book, the author uh, brings to bear the idea that each generation will center its morals at the extreme of the generation before it. In other words, uh, whatever we consider to be normal moral behavior uh, would be where our center is on our morals. And then as we get closer and closer to what we would consider to be deviant behavior or that which would be immoral, we would call that the fringe or the extreme of our moral uh, standard. And his, his claim is that each generation will center their morals, what they're comfortable with, at the extreme of the generation before it. In other words, by the time you get to the third generation, uh, they are no longer centering their morals within an acceptable moral standard. They're now in the area of a deviant moral behavior, and that's the very center of their morals. And the reason for that is there continues to be a downward spiral, uh, a drift, if you will. I remember years ago uh, going out uh, past uh, with a friend of mine to do some fishing uh, out on a boat, and we went out through the inlet uh, out past where you could see land. Uh, you could barely see it on the horizon. You could see just a little uh, view of the land there. And we went out to a place where there was a number of boats that were fishing. And uh, we did what was called drift fishing, meaning we would get out there, we didn't drop an anchor, uh, but we would just flow with the current. And one of the interesting things was we were out there for quite a while fishing, and it seemed like, for the most part, we were pretty much in the same uh, place as we were when we started uh, because of all the other boats around us. We would look over, and that boat's still over there, and he's still about that far away, and there's a boat over here, and he's that direction, he's about so far away. And they seemed to stay just in that same area. But the truth is, we had actually drifted about six or seven miles during the time that we were out there fishing. But we would have never known it because the things that we could reference and look at had drifted right along with us. And the day that we live, if we're not careful as Christians, because we are in the world but not of the world, uh, we will begin to drift along with the deviancy of the world. Uh, when uh, when I began to do my pilot training, uh, they taught us to do uh, navigation in an airplane. In a car, we have a GPS. We can set the GPS. We can put the car face in a certain direction. And if we push the gas, we're going to go that direction. The difference in an airplane is you don't have anything to lock it to the road. So as soon as those tires lift up off the ground, you enter into a mass of air. And you can go in a straight line, and you can point your compass at a straight line to the destination. But if the mass of air is moving, then you are moving, even though it may seem that you're going straight ahead. And one of the things that you have to be careful of in the Christian life is there will come a point where we will feel like we are pointing straight to where we need to go, and the truth is we're drifting. 
We're watching the things around us rather than comparing and measuring our uh, life by the Scriptures, which never change. In Hebrews chapter number 2, if you will, let's look in verse number 1. The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip Father, we come to you, we pray that you'll bless the preaching of your word, and that uh, this afternoon there will be some things that we can teach and glean from your word that will help us to not drift and to remain steadfast and unmovable. And so, Father, guide us and direct us, we pray, from your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's amazing to me in my lifetime to see how many things that used to be wrong are now considered to be right uh, in our society as a whole. But the truth of the matter is, even in our churches, there are things that we look at that we used to consider wrong or evil or contrary to God's Word that now have become acceptable behavior. And uh, the truth is, the reason that that has gone that direction is because there has been a drift that uh, took place. I'm going to give you a, a few, uh, I'm going to give you five principles or, or rules, I guess, that we could call of drifting. And then I want to try to give you four things that are common signs of drifting. And if we know how to see a, a, the sign of drifting, then maybe, just maybe, we can guard against it. All right? So we're going to look at these things. Five rules on drifting. First of all, rule number one, drifting requires no effort. Drifting requires no effort. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1, Paul said this, or the writer of Hebrews said this, he says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest, in other words, if we don't do this, if we don't give the more earnest heed, if we don't give the focus, if we don't make the effort, lest at any time we should let them slip. In other words, in order for us to maintain not grow, but just maintain the truth of God's standard, we have to give the more earnest heed to them. We have to put forth an effort to know them, to understand them, to be reminded of them, and to apply them. All of those have to take effort. Uh, When we get to the place where we put the spiritual cruise control on and we feel like we've learned it all and we've arrived, That is the place where we are most prone to slipping. That's the place where we are most prone to uh, drifting slowly. And I would say this, uh, drifting, while it requires no effort, often because it requires no effort, is a very unconscious process. We don't typically see it. In fact, I would say this, it is more obvious to people that are around us than it is to us ourselves. And we begin to drift. It's something that oftentimes we don't recognize. We don't see that there has been a drift. Number two, when it comes to drifting, it is never in the right direction. You ever notice that? Wouldn't it be wonderful if drifting would bring us closer to the Lord? I mean, if we could give no effort and just as days go by, we get closer and closer 
and closer to the Lord. This world has a mindset, and a lot of people that are in positions of leadership in our country have this mindset that men are inherently good. And they want to make laws with the assumption that men are inherently good. Um, so they, they try to uh, outlaw guns because, hey, men are inherently good. You take all the guns out, there'll be no violence, there'll be no robbing, there'll be no stealing. Because men, if you take those, those tools of violence out, their mindset is men are inherently good. And so we'll all live in a big utopia. Now, I'm not here to preach on guns, whether you should have one or not, but you should have one. All right? Amen. That's First Gregalonians. All right? That's not in the Bible. Don't take that. But I will say this, and, and, and don't miss, don't miss the, the, the point for the humor. Men are inherently evil. Either that or the Bible's lying to us in the book of Jeremiah when it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So when we allow ourselves to drift, when we put forth no effort, it will always be in the wrong direction. Hold your place here. You don't have to hold your place. We're not going to be back to Hebrews. Go to Second Peter for a moment. We're going to look at two or three passages this morning or this afternoon. Second Peter chapter number one and verse number five. Second Peter chapter one and verse number five. Peter writes this, and beside this, giving all diligence. Do we see that? What does it mean to give all diligence? Well, I will say this. When I was younger, I enjoyed playing sports. And uh, baseball was a fun sport. I enjoyed that. When I played baseball, uh, I went to the sporting goods store, and I bought me some cleats uh, because I wanted to dig in, and I wanted to be able to run fast. I wanted to be able to grip the ground. Uh, when I played soccer again, I got cleats, I got shin pads, because I wanted to be able to do the very best I could at it. When I played basketball, I went and got the gear that I needed for basketball. When I played football, I went and got gear for football, because I wanted to be the very best I could at it. As I got older and I became a man and put away childish things, and, and I became a youth pastor, I would go out there and I would play softball in my dress shoes, because I didn't care. I wasn't focused on it. I could hit the ball and make them chase it, and I could jog to first base. I didn't care. I wasn't trying to make it all the way around the bases anymore. And I share that illustration to say this. We can, if we're not careful, we start off the Christian life, we want to do our best. We want to get as far as we can. We want to put all the effort into it. But as time goes by and we get tired and we get older, we tend to lose the fervency, don't we? We tend to get apathetic and we begin to lose the diligence. And, and Peter says here in verse number four, uh, or verse number five, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And we read this last hour, and to knowledge temperance, and you go on through the list of things here. And I would say this about uh, it, it never being in the right direction, that we must constantly be adding to our faith or we'll be going backwards. You cannot drift. You cannot be sitting in a place of no effort in the Christian life and expect to go the right direction. It's not going to happen. 
In 2 Peter chapter 3, look over just a chapter here in verse number 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18. The very last part of his letter is he signs off his salutation. He says, but grow in grace. Don't stop. Don't quit growing. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We need to constantly be adding to our faith. We need to constantly be growing. And if we are not, we are drifting. And drifting is never in the right direction. It's never in the right direction. Let's look in Psalm 1. Number 3, drifting increases its speed the longer we drift. I would say it this way in our lives. We begin to get more and more comfortable with our drifting the longer it goes on. In Psalm 1, in verse number 1, we find a digression that is given here. He says, blessed is the man, and he's going to use the negative connotations here. He's going to use the the negative expressions. So even though he's dealing with the blessed man, he's saying the blessed man is the one who doesn't do this. But there's three things he speaks about here. The three things are this, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. There's, there's several things here. Years ago, I had a fellow that shared a, a, a thing that I, I did, and it was, a, it was a wonderful thing to help, in my mind, bring some things out. There's three things that are mentioned here that are ways of action. And if you want to put them in a column of, of three, uh, on like a left-hand side of a piece of paper, uh, and that is this, walking, standing, and sitting. Those are three mentioned that are mentioned there in order. Walk, stand, sit. And then in another column right next to it, uh, there are three types of uh, things that are taking place. There is the council, there is the way, and there is the seat. And then there are three types of people. You can put them in the column just to the right of that. You have the ungodly, the sinner, and the scornful. Now, if you, if you break it down this way, you'll see the digression. That you were walking, and the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, by the way, and verse uh, chapter number 12, that we're not even supposed to be walking when it comes to the Christian life. We're supposed to be what? Anybody remember? Hebrews chapter 12. Run with patience the race that is set before you. We're to be running. We're to be, we're to be after the prize. Paul said we're to be pressing toward the mark. There's to be diligence given. There's to be effort given. There's to be a, a pressing of the Christian life. We're to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, the psalmist says, there's a digression that takes place. When you begin to listen to the counsel of the ungodly, you're going to begin to walk instead of run. When you begin to not just listen, now you're going to stop and you're going to stand and be in the company with the sinners. No longer are you running, now you're walking, now you're standing. And you're in the way with them. You're, you're, you're rubbing elbows with them. Maybe you're not doing all the things they're doing, but you are being identified by their group because of association. And before long, if that's not dealt with, you're all of a sudden sitting, the Bible says here, in the seat of the scornful. Those that sin and don't care who sees. They, they sin. These are what I, would, I believe God refers to in the Old Testament as high-handed sins. 
These are sins where they are done defiantly. They're done without conscience. They're done without worrying about who's going to catch me doing this. They don't care. They're going to sin and they're just going to do it. And so we see a spiral, don't we not? We see a, a downward decline. Because the drift begins to start with just standing in the counsel of the ungodly. Or standing in the counsel of the ungodly. Or walk, I'm sorry, walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And before long, we're standing in the way of sinners. And the decline increases. And before long, we're sitting in the seat of the scornful. And the decline increases again. Drifting will always increase in its decline the longer that we drift. And the last rule I would say about drifting is this. It will always end in a shipwreck. It will always end in a shipwreck. We began in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, where Paul said, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any times we should let them slip. But he goes on to say in verses 2 and 3, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? How are we going to escape if we neglect this truth? In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, if you want to take a minute to turn there, if not, I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 27. Paul writes this, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying don't drift. You've got to keep your body under subjection. You've got to bring it into subjection. There's got to be a conscious effort given. In 1 Timothy uh, Paul teaching young Timothy uh, some things in chapter number 1 and verse number 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest have war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning the faith have made shipwreck. Can I tell you this? There's two problems with a person that drifts to the point of shipwreck. One, it not only destroys your life, but it also will affect the lives of those around you. Paul told Timothy in verse 19, "...holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck." It's possible that by my drifting, I can cause someone else to destroy their life. Drifting requires no, no effort. Drifting is often an unconscious process. Drifting is never in the right direction. Drifting increases in its decline the longer that we drift. And drifting will always end in shipwreck. Now what are some of the common signs? Of drifting, How do I know if I begin to drift? 
Well, in Psalm 1 again, we already read the first verse. The Bible says that this blessed man is the one that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And that's a great verse. But it goes on to say, but his delight, this is the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And ye shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You want to know one of the first signs of drifting is? A diminished desire for the Word of God. It's one of the first signs. I don't hunger for it the way I used to. I don't thirst for it the way I used to. I don't feel like this tree that's planted by the waters that's soaking up and enjoying it and bearing its fruit. I feel like a tree that's struggling and in a time of drought. I feel like a little shrub bush. A little tumbleweed in the desert. Why? Because I've drifted. A blessed man is one who delights in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. He's going to be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And this tree, if you think about it, a tree that's planted by the rivers of water enjoys constant nourishment, constant nourishment. 24 hours a day, it's got its roots deep into the water. Oh, that we could learn to sink our roots deep into the water of God's Word. One of the first signs that we begin to drift is we begin to have a diminished desire for God's Word. And I would say this, and the time of prayer that usually is often associated with it. Our time spent with God. Number two, another sign of drifting is a diminished desire to fellowship with God's people. A diminished desire to fellowship with God's people. You don't want to be around them anymore. They make you feel uncomfortable. They make you feel uneasy. Psalm 122, in verse number 1, the psalmist said this, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. (laughs) Uh, Every once in a while, my kids will not want to be doing something. And they'll say, Dad, do I have to? And then they'll tell me whatever it is that they don't want to do. You know, Do I have to do this? And my answer to them oftentimes is, No, you don't have to. You get to. You get to. Why is it that it seems when we drift, we begin to think of coming to church, spending time around God's people, as something that, oh, not again. Here we go. I have to do it. Now, I understand being tired on a Wednesday night. I understand that. But it ought to be a sad, sad day when we come home tired and we say, I just can't physically, I just can't go, it ought to break our hearts. When I'm sick enough that I have to say, I just can't make it to church today because I'm too sick. Brother Richard Anderson, I've told him this many times. In fact, most times I talk with him, I tell him this. has been such a blessing to me. I look at Brother Kevin and Brother Jim and Miss Linda and others here in our church. 
any of these people, if anybody ever had an excuse to stay whole, and yet they come. I've watched them come when they were in pain. I've watched them come when they didn't feel good. I've watched them come when they couldn't walk well. I've watched them come when they've had to be wheeled in with wheelchairs. Folks, I tell you, I, I want to be that kind of a Christian. I want to be the kind of Christian that loves to be around God's people. And when I begin to drift, I notice that there's a diminished desire in my heart to be around the people of God. I want to be able to say, as the psalmist did, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, I can't wait. I was talking to my mama the other day. Heaven's sounding sweeter all the time, isn't it? I mean, not just so I can escape the sin of this world and the, the, the weariness and the, and the physical aches and pains of this world. Heaven's just sounding sweeter all the time. I've got friends of mine there. I've got family members there. I've got people I love over there. And most of all, I've got my Savior there. And I long to be around them. I long to fellowship with them. Oh, that we wouldn't drift to the point of not wanting to be around God's people. How else can I see if I'm drifting? Well, one, I've got a, I may have a diminished desire for the things of God's Word in the time of prayer. I may have a diminished desire to be around God's people. Number three, I may have a diminished desire to share the gospel with someone. I may have a diminished desire to share the gospel with someone. My burden for the loss seems to be waning when I drift. In the book of Acts, chapter number 8. Acts, chapter number 8. In verse number 1, the Bible says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, speaking of Stephen. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So understand, there's a lot of persecution going on, great persecution going on, and it scattered everybody. All these Christians that were there in the area, this persecution scattered them. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, escaping persecution. Is that what your Bible says? They went everywhere, what? Setting up other homes for themselves? No, where did they go? What did they do when they were scattered everywhere? They were preaching the word. That's what my Bible says, too. They went everywhere preaching. Wait a minute. They're in the midst of persecution. They just left their home, their family, their friends, their jobs. And they're worried about preaching the gospel? Doesn't that seem a little out of, out of sorts to you, Pastor? No, not unless you're drifting. Not unless there's some things that aren't quite right. Not unless my fellowship and walk with God isn't what it should be. There ought to be a desire to share the gospel everywhere we go. 
with everyone we meet, looking for opportunities, looking for those times that God brings someone across our path. There's a diminished desire for God's Word and prayer. There's a diminished desire to be around God's people. There's a diminished desire to share the Gospel. And lastly, there's an increase in the thrill that we get in the things of this world. There's an increase in the thrill that we get of the things of this world. 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 5, verse number 15, excuse me. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm drifting? If I love the world more today than I did yesterday, then I've drifted. If I love the things that this world has to offer more today than I did yesterday, then I've drifted. Probably one of the most needful things we need to deal with in our lives in the day that we live is this idea of drifting. Because it doesn't require any effort. You don't have to go out and try to drift. Just sit back and relax, and it'll happen. It's often an unconscious process. It's never in the right direction. It will increase in its decline the longer we drift. It will always end in shipwreck. It's seen in the diminished desire of God's Word, a diminished desire to be among God's people, a diminished desire to share the Gospel, and an increase in the thrill of the things of this world. Knowing the signs and the consequences of drifting, may we leave here guarding against it. Let's let's stand together with heads bowed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word and for teaching and instructing us, giving us Scripture that guides our steps and helps us to guard against things.